this is going to be upsetting news. So I want you to, well, maybe sit down, relax. You don't have to relax. You just have to sit down because many of you are going to be, well, shook up about this announcement. Jamaica is running out of marijuana. I know. (laughs) I know. I know what that does. Believe me. I know what that does to you. Apparently, heavy rains, followed by an extended drought, an increase in local consumption, and a drop in the number of marijuana farmers have caused a shortage. And it's only going to get worse. According to Tristan Thompson, chief opportunity explorer explorer of Tekaya, a consulting and brokerage firm for the country's nascent legal cannabis industry, it's a cultural embarrassment. Yes, I agree. It is a cultural embarrassment. If this is actually true, could it be that they're just saying it to perhaps up the price a little? Yes, it is very possible. But for now, we have to go with what they're telling us. (laughs) And what they're telling us is, yes, Jamaica is running low on ganja. It's a sad, sad day in the world. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. I know we're a couple of days away from, or, you know, after the Super Bowl, but we still have a couple of stories that uh, need to be wrapped up. First, uh, you saw the Jeep commercial, and if you haven't, there was the Jeep commercial that aired with Bruce Springsteen. And in that commercial, it showed a map of the United States of America. And that map didn't have the Upper Peninsula of Michigan on it. Now, several people, including a listener to this show, Gary Rasmussen, who, you know, has been a, 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 a proud listener to Chewing the Fat. And I want to thank him for that. He tweeted Jeep saying, hey, nice to know that Jeep remembered us Youpers, because remember, that's the nickname for the people who live in the UP, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. You're a Youper. And remember Mountain Dew, who made uh, the <laughs> who had the Upper Peninsula of Michigan as part of Wisconsin, and they apologized and made up to him and went up there and gave away free stuff, and it was it was really not. I mean, they made up for it for their mistake. Jeep, however, said, "Hey, they responded to Gary. Good catch, Gary. The map you see is not a prop we created for the commercial." It's actually there in Lebanon, Kansas. We included it to depict the scenery there and to symbolize a a middle that includes all Americans, including our family and friends in the Upper Peninsula. Well, it was nice of them to respond. And, uh, you know, I believe that the people in Lebanon, Kansas are bastards. (laughs) I mean, they have a map there of the United States 
without the Upper Peninsula. However, you saw in the commercial where they kind of superimposed Alaska and Hawaii in the middle of the map as they were shooting it. Um, That was created, I believe, for the commercial. So why couldn't they impose a little bit of the Upper Peninsula on that as well? And maybe the Keys of Florida. Just a thought. Maybe, you know, like the whole country. But that's just me. You know, I know. It's okay, Jeep. You can blame it on Lebanon, Kansas, because <laughs> nobody likes anybody from Lebanon, Kansas. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, I am right. More uh, wrap-up Super Bowl news. The Super Bowl streaker. Uh, I know. I know. He wasn't even a streaker. He just ran out of the field. And he had the, the shirt, uh, Vitality, on it. and Or Vitaly. Uh, v-i-t-a-l-y and it's just a it was a promotion for the youtube star vitaly it's a soviet union russian youtube star and you know of course he's disgraced youtube star uh but i mean that's all it was was just a promo for vitaly who you know said hey we did it after the man uh you know ran out of the field for it and got pinned down with the security guards and so I know there was a great radio call on the Westwood One or CBS Radio who was, you know, carrying the Super Bowl by Kevin Harlan, who, you know, called the uh, the race of the runner down the field and then finally tackled at the goal line, which everyone, you know, thought was wonderful. But let's be honest, uh, he was not a streaker and it was just a YouTube promotion, which, you know, Good for Vitaly. Uh, way to get that YouTube channel out there. I wish it would have been chewing the fat, but you can't have that. That's just wrong. Doing something like that at the Super Bowl, right? Right? <laughs> I mean, heaven forbid you do something like at the Hollywood sign or in the World Series or at the NBA playoffs. I mean, you don't want that to happen at all to promote your web pages, right? Right, that's what I thought. And I see where the ratings were down a little bit, so Vitaly didn't get as much as he, you know, had hoped for. So according to this, it was a 14-year low. They had uh, on on regular television well no this is all of it okay so the tv no the tv only audience for cbs was 91.63 million viewers that's off by eight percent for from the super bowl last year later it was adjusted to 113 million including out of home viewing that was the fox one last year now the according to this uh, the share, they had uh, 5.7 million on streaming platforms, which was an all-time high, which is up 65% from a year ago. Although digital viewership still only made up about 6% of the total audience. So look, it stays about the same. That's where they've been all year, down about 7% year to year. And that was, you know, this year. Yeah, we'll see. I, I see where the premiere of Equalizer with Queen Latifah drew 20.4 million viewers, the most for any non-sports telecast since the Oscars. Well, yeah, it followed the Super Bowl, duh. 
uh, you know, everybody watched the big mask singer last year. They, uh, I recorded the equalizer. I have not watched it yet. So I'll, I'll let you know my review of the equalizer. Uh, it probably tomorrow. I don't know if I have an opportunity to get to it today. Um, I will. And I know Colbert had uh, his special, which I don't understand. And it was, you know, of course, he got like 4.8 million viewers. So it was way down. Wow. I mean, they, people watched The Equalizer and then maybe a little bit of the local news. And then it was over. Click them off. Because you went from 20.4 million with The Equalizer to 4.8 million for Colbert. And that's still uh, the largest to tune in uh, since the show last aired after the Super Bowl two years ago. So, I mean, that Super Bowl gives him a huge bump. But I think the 4.8 million people, many of the people watched it because Metallica was on. And so was uh, Junior. You know, Robert Downey Jr. And so, you know, it was a big show. And I recorded it because uh, everybody wanted to see Metallica in my house. And so I'll, you know, catch that too. Because I will let you know if Stephen Colbert has gotten any funnier. I doubt he has, to be honest with you. But. I don't want to, you know, go into it with any kind of, you know, pre-thought that he's not funny, <laughs> but he's not. And so, you know, we'll, we'll let you know exactly what the show was like. I'll try to get to both of those today as we, you know, as we wrap up sometime today, I'll get to it. And don't forget also one last little Super Bowl thing, uh, Operation Team Player which is uh, a, a group of investigators tied in with Homeland Security Investigations uh, was against counterfeit Super Bowl memorabilia. And they raked in $44 million worth of counterfeit sports goods. Wow. That is a lot. 169,000 counterfeit sports-related items over the past year worth an estimated $45 million. So congratulations to the joint press conference with in Tampa with the National Football League, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, Tampa Police Department, Homeland Security Investigations. I mean, good for them. So if you're wandering around with a counterfeit Super Bowl shirt on, you probably should turn it in because holy cow, you don't want people to see you in your counterfeit Super Bowl shirt, right? Again, am I right? Yes, uh, yes, I am. All right, little. Uh, let me. We were, we were talking about the Super Bowl, so let's stay in Florida for a couple of things. Hackers remotely accessed the water treatment plant. Of Oldsmar, Florida. Now, Oldsmar is in the Tampa Bay area. So, I mean, I, I'm very familiar with Oldsmar. I spent a lot of time in, uh, in Oldsmar, Florida. Apparently, now it has a city of about 15,000 people. It's a, you know, a little part of Tampa Bay in Pinellas County. And I guess the cyber attack was thwarted as some guy was, <laughs> was sitting at his computer going, Hey, somebody is... Uh, doing a remote work on my laptop and uh they're messing around with the system and so they got busted they tried to uh, change the amount 
of the sodium hydroxide and the drinking water levels, so it would have poisoned residents. Now, they don't know who it was. They don't know what it was about. They don't know if it was hackers here in the U.S. or if it was abroad. Of course, you know, the FBI and the Secret Service have been notified. Now, most of the systems in big areas have, you know, ways to catch this, or they're supposed to anyway. But, uh, man, water plant operators and dams, oil, gas pipelines, they better get the security up to speed because we don't know if this was just a trial run, right, just to see if they could get in and do it. And, uh, you know, they may have seen if they could do it and then take it back to the normal levels. We don't know that for sure if they would have, if they wanted to, you know, inflict harm on the people or not. But a uh, good thing that the employee was like uh, on his, you know, actually doing his job and said, hey, a uh, little help. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he actually said little help, but that's possibly what he what happened at the water treatment plant because <laughs> they caught it and stopped it, which is a uh, good news. And then let's go over to Frostproof florida which is over in polk county florida and that's between tampa and orlando and we've talked about polk county before because polk county is the home of my favorite sheriff in the country grady judd i love grady judd he is a tremendous sheriff and he also remember we we've talked to him about uh warning criminals after the death of George Floyd, saying that residents uh, will be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. Uh, he talked about, uh, you know, remember he used photographs to help uh, the confused media, the media differentiate between a peaceful protest and a riot. Um, he, remember, charged a, a criminal with 230 charges after he murdered his friends on a fishing trip. Remember that story? Just amazing. And he also uh, was uh, live on TV being interviewed when they caught a man who killed a sheriff deputy uh, in Polk County. And they, I forget how many times the guy was shot. He was shot like 80 or 90 times. And, uh, I mean, he was shot multiple times. And when asked uh, why, why did he need to be shot, that many times grady judd's answer was well that's all the ammunition my deputies had so i mean i love grady judd so in frostproof in polk county there was a man who tried to break into these people's home and he said that uh you know his wife and three children were asleep and he was banging on the door and the front door was broken and forced open. And so he grabbed his handgun and went out the front door. And here was this would-be criminal, Jory Plummer, outside in front yard yelling at obscenities at the guy. And the homeowner said, get out, leave, get off my property. And the would-be criminal, Plummer, wouldn't leave and then charged the guy came after him and that was a mistake so then the homeowner feared for his life and he fired around hit him and then 
They claim that the guy turned around and charged again after he was shot once. And the homeowner shot again and hit him again. They responded to the scene, tried life-saving efforts, but he died at the hospital. And uh, according to uh, Sheriff Grady Judd, who wrote in a statement, he said at this point in the investigation, the evidence indicates that the residents... The resident acted in self-defense. People have a right to be safe in their home and when necessary, defend that safety. Amen. Amen. Our victim and his wife have zero criminal history. Just good, hardworking Americans in their bed at night with their infant children when the suspect kicks in the door. The station said the guy that would be criminal breaking into the house had nine felonies and nine misdemeanors against him. Sexual assault, domestic violence and battery, tampering with evidence, forgery, resisting a law enforcement officer, possession of marijuana, driving on a suspended driver's license, violation of probation, failure to appear. So he was not a good guy, but that doesn't mean that he should have been killed. However, attempting to break into a home and then attempting to harm this man on his property did give this man the right to shoot him. So that was a mistake, but it was in Polk County, Florida. So sad news for you, Jory Plummer. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm always looking at a screen and you know now more than ever and of course you know that I'm always looking at a screen whether it's my whether it's my laptop whether it's my phone whether it's my televisions and sometimes you just want to stop looking at a screen and that's easier said than done but one of my favorite ways of course to rest my eyes a lot of times you feel like oh your eyes are just tired from reading and looking at videos you still want to catch up on content, right? That's, my friends, is when I put in my Raycon wireless earbuds. And then I doesn't matter what I'm listening to. I can catch up on my favorite news podcast, which for you obviously would be me. Or I could listen to an audiobook, or I can, you know, just listen to music and kind of try to relax a little bit. And another thing that I use my Raycons for that I found out. And I know that. <laughs> so even if my eyes are tired, I realized now that I can Bluetooth my headphones to the TV so that I can uh, watch a show and listen to it through my Raycons so that I don't have to be distracted with outside noise uh, in the house. I know. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And if you have an opportunity to see if your television will Bluetooth to your Raycons, I uh, recommend it highly. No dangling wires. Uh, Raycons come in a range of stylish colors, but they're always with a comfortable in-ear fit and gives you you know, a more discreet look uh, than all the other headphones that are out there. And they're built to perform anywhere, anytime. Uh, with water and sweat resistant construction and uh, like i said the bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly with whatever device you want and with enough battery life for about six hours of playtime pretty sweet the best part 
great sound, and it's accessible to everyone with wireless earbuds starting at half the price. That's what I like the most about the Raycons, half the price of other premium audio brands. And I'm going to give you a way to save even more money. Right now, Raycon's offering 15% off all their products to you, Chewing the Fat listeners. You're welcome, by the way. Oh, you know, on behalf of Raycon. And here's what you got to do to get it. To buy Raycon.com slash Jeffy. That's it. You get 15% off your entire Raycon order. Okay? So, like they are happy to say, grab a pair and a spare. That's buyraycon.com slash Jeffy. Buy Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash Jeffy, J-E-F-F-Y. Get 15% off all of their products and sit back and enjoy whatever audio you want to listen to, even this podcast, with your Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash Jeffy. All right, let's go to the break room. I desperately need something cold to drink for sure. Oh my gosh, that is so good. And you know, what uh, What you can do is, while you're listening to the show with your Raycons, you can subscribe to this show. I mean, uh, hello, if you're listening to this show and you've got the Raycons on and you're not a subscriber, what are you doing? I mean, thank you for, you know, purchasing the Raycons with buyraycon.com slash Jeffy, but you need to be a subscriber to Chewing the Fat. So, subscribe on whatever platform warms the little cockles of your heart. Let's say it's iTunes. Let's say it's iHeartRadio. Let's say it's Stitcher, maybe Spotify. But whatever platform, there's a plethora of them out there. Just subscribe to Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Okay? (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) You see, it's not that difficult of a thing. And you'll feel better about yourself because it's free. Hello? And everybody, look. We've talked about it before, but it's more important to be a freeloading subscriber than just a freeloader. So if you're listening now and you're not a subscriber, you're just a freeloader and nobody likes a freeloader. Okay. But if you're a subscriber, then you're a freeloading subscriber and everybody loves a freeloading subscriber. So make that happen. Make a freeloading subscriber happen. Turn your life into a happy life where everybody loves you because you're a freeloading subscriber to Chewing the Fat. So, you know, I'm a huge believer in more voices, not less. Period. More voices, not less. No cancel culture here on Chewing the Fat. There's a new app called Block the New York Times, and it allows Twitter users to block 800 corporate journalists for free with just one click in the fight against disinformation more voices not less okay i you know i'm all i'm i'm all for this it's free and i don't know how they're making their money i'm it's all for capitalism so if it's out there and you want to use it fine go ahead and use it i'm not i you know i believe that you should have the choice in this country yes Well, if you're listening anywhere in the world, as a matter of fact, to Chewing the Fat, I believe you, you alone should have the choice 
for you and you alone. <laughs> I know. I know. Don't <laughs> don't uh, don't bog me down with any of that because uh, I don't I don't believe in any of the cancel stuff. I want you you to have the choice. Okay, that's what I believe in. So, just if you want to use the new app, go right ahead. But did you see where Facebook has announced that it's going to do a major clampdown uh, according to you know facebook and speaking of what's best for you because let them decide right they're going to begin removing content that it considers false i know (laughs) i know they don't want you to decide they're going to decide for you because anything on the vaccine or coronavirus misinformation They don't want you to decide. They don't want you to see footage and go, you know, that uh, I need to look into that and see if it's true or not and find out more information on that. No, they're going to do it for you. So that's good. That is good. They're going to remove from its platform any misinformation regarding the coronavirus and vaccines, including claims that the virus was manufactured in a lab (laughs) oh my gosh and that vaccines are not effective at preventing disease wow uh that's good i'm happy that facebook is is taking care of that for me because man i i don't want to have to decide for myself did you see where um you know we got rid of parlor and which is good i mean we don't want part we don't want we we didn't want to make the choice about parlor we wanted every all the companies to make the choice of you know deplatforming a parlor and one of the big things of parlor was the free speech stuff right and it was uh, they were part of the insurrection and well that was their fault and it was parlor those evil right wingers well come to find out um that really wasn't because new analysis from the department of justice uh claims that uh facebook was far and away the most used social media platform used by those charged in the january 6th siege of capitol hill ha huh. ha huh. go figure that is amazing just amazing and of course you know Cheryl Sandberg, the chief operating officer of Facebook, had uh, previously assigned culpability for the riot to Parler and Gab, which is another smaller platform. Uh, Her quote was, I think these events were largely organized on platforms that don't have our abilities to stop hate. (laughs) They don't have our standards and don't have our transparency. Oh, really? That's what you said in an interview? Hmm. Now I wonder what they commented about this story. Oh, they haven't yet. Hmm. Weird. That's really weird. Now their comment is probably going to be, look, our platform to stop hate is so much better than all the other platforms. And because of our transparency, we know now that we need to do a better job. And we can't stop it all. We've got billions of people on Facebook. We, we can't stop it all. Well, what are you? Are you kidding me? 
if we could, we could have, if we could stop it all, you know, like, I don't know, like Twitter's tried to do in the UK. We've talked about this, what cases in the UK before where they've gone and knocked on people's door for what they consider to be offensive tweets. Well, now they've arrested a 35 year old man in Scotland for posting an offensive tweet about the late British hero, Captain Sir Tom Moore. Well, I, you know, he's a hero. So you can't tweet anything bad about him. That is just something that will not be tolerated, okay? Now, this 35-year-old man was charged under the UK's Communication Act of 2003, which makes it a criminal offense to post content on social media that is grossly offensive or of an indecent, obscene, or menacing character. The accused tweeter could face up to six months behind bars and find up to $6,800. He's due in court tomorrow. For those of you listening live, today is the 9th of February, 2021. So he'll be in court uh, tomorrow on the 10th. We'll try to update and see what happened. Um, Wow. I mean, now the sir, the hero, Sir Tom Moore, uh, you know, raised a bunch of money for the coronavirus frontline workers. He was a World War II veteran. He died last week after he tested positive for COVID-19 and was admitted to the hospital with severe pneumonia. I mean, he was 100 years old. So there was some underlying conditions like, I don't know, he was 100 years old. But are we really going to start arresting people? Well, I mean, they most definitely are in the U.K., because we've talked about it before uh where they've gone and knocked on people's doors because uh of tweets about uh, whatever whatever now the tweet that this criminal tweeted and could go to jail and be fined for i don't know if i want to tell you or not i don't know yeah, I know the man was a you know a hero and um, you know a, a great man that did a lot of good things, but this tweet, again, I don't know if I want to tell you or not. It's so, it's so horrible. Um, if you have me on a speaker where the whole house is listening, and you have young children, you probably you know just put your Raycons in and uh, and just listen. I'm going to tell you, okay. The only good Brit soldier is a deed one. Burn, old fella. Burn. Right? <laughs> I know. I know. You can put me back on speaker now. Uh, you can, I mean, you can imagine how horrific that is. And I hope the man gets, I don't know. I don't know how long I want him thrown in jail. Well, I do actually like zero days and zero fines and stop this nonsense. And I know that this has been going on over there, but what's happening is now it's coming here and I don't like it. Not one little bit, not one little bit. And I'll tell you another thing. I see where the IMF wants to now use digital footprint of customers, online activities to assess credit worthiness. Um, how about no how about i own my digital footprint which isn't really true but i want to own it and how about i decide 
How about that? And how about we let the record be what shows for my credit worthiness, which, by the way, is, I mean, it's so good, it's like zero. And that's what it's supposed to be, right? (laughs) Your credit score? Yeah, that's what I thought. Supposed to be close to zero. No, they want to check. Uh, they want to. They want to know everything about you. And of course, of course, it's just for your credit worthiness. They won't use it for anything else. <laughs> oh, what are you silly? No, there's no way they use it for anything else other than your credit. Duh. Oh, one more uh, cancel culture story. Uh, you know, we told you, I, I don't know, earlier, whether it was earlier this week or last week, but we talked about how the Screen Actors Guild uh, had talked about getting rid of Donald Trump. Well, he resigned, right? We told you that he resigned, and they he said he didn't want anything to do with them anymore. He was sick of them, and they said, thank you. Well, they've decided now, the national board, they just passed a resolution. That wasn't enough. Okay? Him resigning and them accepting the resignation so he wasn't part of the SAG-AFTRA, the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, not having him part of their group anymore wasn't enough. Okay? What is going to be enough and what hopefully will be enough and we don't know that but i mean it's going to have to be for sag after they have now banned donald trump from future readmission so uh this is a resounding statement that threatening or inciting harm against fellow members will not be tolerated and his antagonism toward our members and disregard for its values when justifying the decision that he is now banned from SAG-AFTRA he can, we don't even want him ever thinking about coming back into SAG-AFTRA oh that is just unbelievably agonizing and those of you thinking, I should have, I mean, if those of you thinking that you're going to be able to go on Facebook and say, hey, the World Health Organization investigators, they said that they're no longer going to pursue research into whether the coronavirus leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Yeah. Yeah. If you think you're going to be able to go on Facebook and say, that's BS, you'll, that you're, you'll be, you'll be cut off. I mean, you'd probably be cut off on Twitter as well. It's going to be, you're not going to be able to do it. That's right. You heard me right, too. The World Health Organization has said that they are no longer going to pursue research into whether the coronavirus leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China. Wow. So the food and safety and animal diseases expert, uh, Peter Ben Embarek, Uh, announced the decision during a press conference to wrap up a visit by the international team of WHO experts to the city where COVID-19 was first identified in December of 2019. He said there wasn't enough evidence to support a hypothesis that the virus escaped from a Chinese biosafety laboratory in Wuhan, uh, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And the WHO stood by its previous determination that COVID-19 most likely entered the human population through an intermediate animal. Oh, 
Oh, so that didn't have anything to do with the lab. <laughs> and don't you even don't you even think about being able to say that that's wrong on social media? Wow. I mean, wow. That's all I can say is just incredible. The Who team has spent several weeks on a fact-finding mission in Wuhan. Has it been several weeks? I know that they were there under quarantine, but I feel like their fact-finding mission in Wuhan hasn't been several weeks. But, okay, if the story says it's been weeks, we'll go with several weeks. Experts from 10 nations have visited hospitals, research institutes, and a wildlife market tied to the outbreak. However, the Who's field work and other activities in Wuhan have been closely monitored by Chinese officials and security officers. Really? And Beijing has repeatedly resisted uh, and called for a completely independent investigation into the origins of the virus. Really? So, now, do you think maybe they're still in China and they're saying that and hopefully when they get out of China and they leave, they are able to say, yeah, no, we had to say that to get out of the country alive, but really it started in the lab and China actually did this. You think that's going to happen? <laughs> no chance not a chance no chance no chance that happens do i want it to happen uh you know kinda yeah i kind of do i don't want anything bad to happen to the you know the who research team over there in wuhan i don't want anything bad to happen to them but you know i want them to get out alive but i'm hoping that they are just saying that so that they can get out of the country alive. And once they're out, then we're good. Then we're like, uh, hey, how about uh, how about we tell the truth now and say that, it, you know what, it did come from Wuhan lab. And we're saying it now, but we, don't wanna, we didn't want to say it there. Would I, do I want to have that happen? You betcha. Is it going to happen? The odds are very, very slim. Slim? Uh, I would say almost the odds are negative against it. But, I mean, there's still hope. Just like there's still hope for a cure to COVID-19. Apparently, in Israel, they have found what could be the cure for COVID. An experimental COVID drug right now cures 30 out of 30 moderate to severe cases in phase one of a clinical trial at an Israeli hospital. Second new drug also shows promise. Nice. So that beats out uh, the vaccinations, my friends. (laughs) Uh, We still need the vaccinations. We've got Johnson and Johnson on the wire, hoping for their, uh, you know, push through to get their FDA approval come the end of the month. Uh, that's just a one-shot vaccination, and they claim that it's 85% uh, effective and also is good for the different variants. So that's not bad if it gets FDA approval come the end of this month, February 2021. But uh, this particular experimental inhaled medication developed at Tel Aviv Soreski Medical Center cured all 30, all 30 moderate to severe cases in the phase one of the clinical trial. 
It's developed over the past six months at the hospital. The EXOCD24 stops the cytokin storm. The cytokin, the cytokin storm. Yeah, it stops that, where the immune system goes out of control and starts attacking healthy cells. And that occurs in the lungs of five to seven percent of the COVID nineteen patients. Uh, that is fantastic. And I am in love with these people. So if you, the preparation is given by inhalation once a day for only a few minutes for five days, then uh, that's good. That has good. The uh, treatment has two unique characteristics. The first is that it inhibits the oversecretion of cytokines. And the second is it is delivered directly to the lungs and therefore has no systemic side effects that injected or oral drugs can cause. Uh, hello. Uh, we, I want this. Uh, we need to hope and pray that this is actually the deal. Let's get to phase 85 of this trial and let's start inhaling the XOCD24. And the other one is called the Allocitra. So... Let's hop sing on it, man. Uh, let's go. And I am in love with these doctors. Yes. Yes. Dr. Nadir Arbor uh, is uh, the main one. Uh, he works in his lab. There's a picture of him in his lab where XOCD24 was developed. You, sir, are the man. So, I mean, that's good news. And I've got more good news. So, if, if Israel possibly, possibly coming up with a cure to COVID-19 isn't good enough news for you, how about we tell you that the first 3D printed house is now for sale? Yes, we're building 3D houses and we're putting them up for sale. So, the first one, first time ever. You buy your very own 3D printed house. You can do th- this one is for sale in New York. And it's only $299,999. I'm glad they kept it under 300000 Three bedroom, two bath, two car garage, Riverhead, New York, made of 3D printed cement. Uh, the asking price makes the property a steal on Long Island. Where a home the same size would typically cost about $478,380, according to Realtor.com. So, uh, is the home price of 50% to below the cost? Uh, $300,000 is not 50% below $478,000. I'm not a mathematician, but I'm just saying, that's false advertising, okay? <laughs> uh yeah, if it was half of, th- if 300000 was half, it would be 600000 Or Am I right? That's what I thought. Yeah, of course I am. So uh, the 1,407 square foot house, man, that is not that big a house, was designed by Manhattan-based engineering firm H2M, built uh, by Long Island-based 3D printing company SQ4D, and is billed on Zillow as the world's first 3D printed home for sale. It sits on a 0.26 acre lot. 
Uh, it's got a nice porch sitting area the walls are eight feet tall but the timber ceiling is arched providing more height to the house uh when you look inside ooh, i don't know Oof, it's all just one big room it's got the kitchen and the little dining area and the little living area off to the side here it doesn't show the hallway down to the bedrooms or anything so but it does offer you know mingling a uh, room where you can go between the living room and dining room uh, with the, the countertop and, you know, the farmhouse sink. And the house has all the standards you'd find in a traditionally built house, air conditioning, gas heating, even <laughs> a dishwasher. That must come with a wife. Oh, hello. Just a joke. Plus the kitchen and bathrooms, sport matching pale blue cabinetry. Isn't that special? And you look at the front of it. That really doesn't count as a porch in my view, but... They're calling it, Zillow's going to call it a porch. I'm not calling it a porch. I'm calling it the area you stand as you're waiting for someone to answer the door and let you in the home. But, you know, whatever. You could put a chair there, I guess, or a chair or two and sit out there during the fall evenings and just enjoy the weather. Anyway, you can get the first 3D printed house in Riverside, New York, uh, Riverhead, New York. And it's only, you know, 300000 cheaper than 299 99 99 99 but uh 299 yeah and uh so they're coming 3d houses are going to be the norm thing across america now hopefully we can start getting 3d printed houses that are a little bit i don't know roomier than that particular house but you never know and today by the way is uh the hope spacecraft from the uae is supposed to arrive at Mars after its seven-month journey spanning more than 290 million miles. Now, according to this, that is actually fast. And they give you... (laughs) It took them uh, seven months to get to Mars, the Hope spacecraft. And they give you an idea of how long it would take you to get there using other modes of transportation such as uh, if you were uh, getting a piggyback ride on Usain Bolt, uh, who is you know, one of the fastest men on the planet, you could get there in 1,191 years. If you were driving on a highway, you know, let's say we built a highway from here to Mars, and we called it, I don't know, Musk Freeway, and you'd have to get off on uh, the Elon Parkway to get to the planet, Uh, You could get there in 441 years, driving at 75 miles per hour. And if you took a commercial jet, let's say you took Musk Airlines and were able to land at uh, Elon Airstrip uh, right there on Mars, it would only take you 61 years to get there. So, wow, that seven-month journey... For the UAE's Hope spacecraft doesn't sound so bad now, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Let's hope it finds something. Oh, Jeff, when are we going to get there sometime this month? And China's going to get there too. We're all going to bump into each other. This is the one where we have the little helicopter on it, right? And we got the, you know, it's going to be flying around. So maybe we'll get to see a helicopter crash on Mars. I mean, I don't want that to happen. I want the helicopter to be able to, you know, take pictures and tell me, Hey, this is where the, uh, you know, what is the Space Federation? They were supposed to have a place there below the 
below the dirt and maybe we run into a couple of space federation soldiers and they tell us come on in and you know we get news that we actually are part of the space federation and there are other beings out there and mars is just the jumping off point you ready for that in your life i am (laughs) 